0: Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us. This is the Anesthesia Learn on the Go podcast series from the University of Kentucky Department of Anesthesiology. In these episodes, we will provide a high-yield clinical review of some of the common topics encountered by anesthesiologists at all levels. The following episode will be recorded by a member of our department at UK. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at UKAnesthesia and subscribe to the University of Kentucky Department of Anesthesiology YouTube channel for our videocast. Now fire up your headphones, relax, and let's talk anesthesia. Hello there. My name is Dr. Nathaniel Linville. I am a fourth-year anesthesiology resident at the University of Kentucky Department of Anesthesiology, and today I will be talking about sedation options for pediatric patients. One of the most uncomfortable aspects of surgery as well as one of the biggest barriers for intervention or therapy for our young patients is perioperative anxiety. While our adult patients can have equally or often more so dramatic unease, there are many unique considerations regarding the physiologically, psychologically, and anatomically dynamic population of pediatric patients. Preoperative anxiety in children is a major issue that is largely underreported and challenging to address in many scenarios. The incidence has been reported to be around 60 to 65 percent. Anecdotally, I've taken care of many children who have been calm, cooperative, and extremely mature throughout the preoperative workup, only to howl and scream when the grim reality of leaving the preop bay unfolds. This has been described as a quote tip of the iceberg phenomenon in that it is difficult for the anesthesiologist and the parent alike to assess the true anxiety of a patient secondary to children's typically low expression. Predictive risk factors include age less than seven years, having a shy personality, those with anxious parents, previous upsetting hospital experience, being an only child, and having not attended preschool. The first step in exploring options for perioperative sedation is to assess whether your patient is appropriate for sedation. Indeed, this should certainly be a chief consideration when evaluating the pediatric patient in the perioperative period in general. Manifesting as excessive crying, agitation, play cessation, and vocalization of fear Perioperative anxiety can lead to undesirable consequences such as longer induction time, delayed recovery, higher postoperative pain scores, longer hospital stay, higher costs to the patient in hospital, increased levels of stress hormones and acute phase reactants, postoperative behavioral changes, and increased anxiety for future surgeries or interactions with healthcare professionals. Considerations when choosing your anxiolysis pathway include routes available, the type and length of procedure, comorbidities, and cost. Most patients do not require sedation until nine months at the absolute earliest. So, you've determined your patient can benefit from preoperative anxiolysis. Should you now just slug them with Versed? Well, not necessarily. Many non-pharmacologic interventions have tangible benefits. Parental presence, child life consultation, distraction with play, videos, video games can all be helpful. Often the difference between a catastrophic alligator roll induction and a smooth transition to general anesthesia is just letting your patient watch Minecraft videos on a tablet after getting them into the operating room. Sometimes your older patients may confide in you that they simply need something to take the edge off. Sometimes, distraction is insufficient in alleviating perioperative anxiety. In this case, there is a wide array of pharmacologic options to help in managing this distressing phenomenon. The most popular option for preoperative sedation is midazolam. This versatile drug can be given via a multitude of routes, including PO, nasal via atomizer, sublingual, and rectal. It is a benzodiazepine that functions by increasing the frequency of opening of the chloride channel in the central nervous system via its action at the GABA A receptors. It is eliminated hepatically and excreted renally. PO dosing is 0.5 to 0.6 milligrams per kilogram, secondary to poor oral absorption. 0.2 to 0.3 milligrams per kilogram for nasal or sublingual, and 0.5 to 1 milligram per kilogram in the rectal formulation. Ketamine has a unique role in this scenario. While it can help relieve preoperative anxiety, ketamine can be used as a sort of bridge to general anesthesia for challenging patients who are especially uncooperative, agitated, or even combative. Colloquially referred to as the ketamine dart, it can be given 1 to 5 milligrams per kilogram via intramuscular injection for this purpose. Ketamine can also be given PO in 5 to 6 milligram per kilogram dosing, nasally in 3 to 5 milligram per kilogram dosing, and rectally in 5 to 6 milligram per kilogram dosing. Ketamine has a wide array of actions, acting as an NMDA receptor antagonist. Ketamine can be used to induce general anesthesia and an analgesic in subdissociative doses, in addition to its sedative properties. Ketamine is useful in that it causes far less respiratory depression than other anesthetics. It has mild bronchodilatory properties and, as an aside, has also been shown to be a rapid-acting antidepressant. I could wax poetically about all of the great benefits of ketamine. However, there are some important side effects to keep in mind should you choose uh, this drug for this purpose. It is a sialagogue increasing respiratory secretions and, for this reason, is often paired with an anticholinergic like Glycopyrrolate or atropine. In higher doses, it causes hallucinations, agitation, confusion, and other uncomfortable psychologic symptoms. It often causes hypertension and muscle tremors. Laryngospasm rarely can occur. It is often avoided in patients with increased intracranial pressure, though many studies have shown it does not increase intracranial pressure any more than opioids. Ketamine also, importantly, can cause increased intraocular pressure. Dexmedetomidine is a highly selective alpha-2 adrenergic agonist. Specifically, it is 1,620 to 1, making it 8 times more alpha-2 selective than clonidine. It is commonly used in the ICU for sedation, however, it is gaining popularity as a preoperative sedative as well. It can be given IV, transmucosal, and intranasal. IV is typically dosed as 0.2 to 1 microgram per kilogram over 10 to 20 minutes. Intranasal is dosed as 3 micrograms per kilogram. Presidex has almost total hepatic metabolism, to inactive metabolites, and a two-hour elimination half-life excreted via urine. Presidex is gaining increased popularity specifically amongst pediatric anesthesiologists due to emerging evidence that suggests that it is neuroprotective against agents, such as volatile anesthetics, that have some evidence of risk to the developing brain. Side effects of dexmedetomidine include prolonged sedation, which can translate to increased costs for longer PACU stays when careful dosing is not observed. Increased blood pressure and bradycardia with rapid high-dose administration and activation of peripheral alpha-2 receptors is common. Also commonly seen, uh, hypotension, hypotension with prolonged administration. Fentanyl can sometimes be used dually for anxiolysis and to jumpstart analgesia prior to a procedure. Versed is typically preferred for pure anxiolysis. Fentanyl is a synthetic opioid agonist acting primarily at the mu receptor and is 50 to 100 times more potent than morphine. Common side effects include hypoventilation, apnea, confusion, and nausea. It has a quick onset of action with five minutes time and is primarily metabolized in the liver It is primarily given IV, though it can be given intranasally, transdermally, or sublingually. Use caution when using fentanyl for anxiolysis because fentanyl is often activating for patients, especially young patients. Surgery can be an unbelievably scary time for kids. Their perioperative experience at a young age can have lifelong implications on their attitudes and perceptions. Regarding surgery, as well as their trust in healthcare providers overall. As discussed above, preoperative anxiolysis for pediatric patients is an extremely important consideration that can mean many things based on procedural scenario, patient age, physiology, and contraindications. Adequate anxiolysis can certainly be accomplished via non pharmacologic means. Though a variety of medications are available depending upon sedation goals, resources, and routes of administration available. As with many things in anesthesia, a multimodal approach is often best. Optimal anxiolysis involves a coordinated effort and open communication between the parents, child life services, anesthesiology personnel, and perioperative staff ensuring the patient's needs are addressed during this crucial time. Well, I hope this podcast has been informative and helpful for you for your pediatric anesthesia rotation and beyond. I'm Dr. Nathaniel Linville, fourth-year anesthesia resident at the University of Kentucky, and I will catch you next time. Thank you very much. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have ideas for future podcasts, please reach out to us via email at go at uky.edu. Don't forget to follow us on our social media accounts as well on Instagram and Twitter, UK Anesthesia. From all of us at UK Department of Anesthesiology, have a great day.